As is usually the case, I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to be with you today. You are a congregation that is very easy to love. You, you appreciate the preaching, and you tell me so, and I just very much uh, appreciate that. It just gives me personally a, a shot in the arm, and uh, from time to time there are people <clears throat> that will make statements concerning maybe a lesson that I've had in times past that is still having some effect, and oh, you just don't know what that does to an old preacher. Tonight, I want to challenge our thinking. Uh, One of the ladies came in and said uh, something about the sermon tonight. I said, it's not going to be such an enjoyable sermon because it's not a positive as much as it is a challenge. There is a statement made in Psalm 111 verse 10 that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this is a statement that is echoed throughout Scripture verbatim in Psalm, or rather Proverbs 9 and verse 10. You'll find it verbatim. You'll find the, uh, the idea also in Proverbs, or rather, Proverbs 13 verse, or 15 verse 33, as it says, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. Job 28, verse 28 says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And we need to, first of all, define what do we mean by fear. And uh, it is the beginning of wisdom, but what is fear? It is a deep reverence or respect. It stands to reason that we cannot respect someone uh, if we disregard what he says. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we all need a wholesome, awesome respect for God himself. For all that God is and for all that God has told us he wants from us, we need to realize that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. There are several passages of Scripture that still uh, speak to this. I'm in Malachi 1, verse 6, where God says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. Tonight, I'm going to be challenging us to realize the seriousness of being Christians. The seriousness of being what God wants us to be. This is very serious business, and I believe that we have to recognize that. The Scripture says, where there is no fear of the Lord, there is. And I would add rebellion and rampant sin. If we have no fear of the Lord, there is rebellion and rampant sin. Fear is an emotion that God has given us for our own own cause and our own good. Proverbs 16 and verse 6, and I don't have this in, in other outlines, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I want you to think about that for just a moment. 
It's the fear of the Lord that causes us to depart from evil. So there is good fear, and we need that good fear. In Romans chapter 3 and in verse 18, Paul quotes from Psalm 36 and verse 1, and he says this, There is no fear of God before their eyes. He's describing some ungodly people. And two verses in verse 3 of that Psalm 36, he will go on and say, they cease to be wise and do good. So when you don't have fear, you cease to be wise and to do good. So this is the bedrock of all of our obedience. That's why the Scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A lack of respect is a very scary thing. A dog that does not respect his his master cannot be trusted. A person that does not respect the laws of the land, respect the automobile, does not respect other people, should not be driving or allowed to drive. A person that does not respect other people should not be allowed in free society. And so we need to have that type of respect. The word wisdom, it's interesting, in the book of Proverbs is found 39 times. Now, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is found 39 times, and the word wise is found 47 times in those 31 chapters. And so it is a word that is... Uh, that is a part of the wisdom. In fact, the word Proverbs means a short, pithy, wise saying. And so we could go into the Proverbs, but that's not what I'm going to do tonight. What I want to do, I've I've outlined the uh, lesson under three major points. And what we're going to do is look, first of all, and I think we need to start really with God, is that when we fear God, we then respect his authority. And that is really where we need to start. Via scripture now, I'm going to take us to the very throne room of God. And I'm going to do something that I very seldom do. I'm going to do a quite a bit of reading. And uh, if you want to turn with me, I will be reading from the New American Standard Translation. And I'd like for us to begin reading the entire chapter of Revelation chapter 4. There are only 11 verses. That sounds worse than it really is. And then we're going to read the last four verses of Revelation chapter uh, 5. Now, what I want us to get out of this is the attitude of heaven toward our God Almighty. Uh, Bear in mind, the fear or reverence of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so what we've got to do is to begin to try to get a picture of of the uh, atmosphere in heaven that surrounds our great God. And if I can just somehow help us to get a picture of that, that would cause us to say, Oh, I revere my God. Mission accomplished. I'm going to start with reading Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, the first voice which I heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking 
with me said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of burning fire before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass crystal, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion. And the second creature like a calf. And the third creature like a face of that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who has said, or who was, and who is, and who is to come. And When the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, <clears throat> to him <clears throat> who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits upon the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy art thou, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. Now chapter 5, beginning with verse 11. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every living or every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, I'm going to ask you, what did you see? What attitudes? Actually, one word that will capture it all. That's the word reverence. And if you notice, even heaven fell down, and they were revering God Almighty, the Creator, the Judge, the, the uh, One that was from everlasting to everlasting, Almighty God. Where angels bow, I suggest to you men had better bow their lowest. 
And to be irreverent in such an atmosphere is rebellion. What I'm trying to say is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is referred is referring to what Eugene Peterson describes as a fear that pulls out of us our preoccupation with ourselves, our feelings, and our circumstances into a world of wonder. This is not a terror. This is a reverence. This is a not shaking in your boots panic, but enraptured with love fascination. I'm aware of the fact that in Hebrews 11:21, even Moses, when he was describing or we, uh, God had come down upon Mount Sinai and uh, had uh, the, the, the uh, mountain was trembling and there was smoke and there was the voice of the Lord. And Hebrews 11, verse 21, even Moses said that he was full of fear and trembling. But I believe this is a holy, reverent awe. Now, our text is Psalms 111, verse 10. But I want to go back there and go to the verse just before that. And I really like the King James. I'm in Psalm 111 and verse 9. As it says, holy and reverend is his name. Other translations say awesome. Holy and awesome is the name of God. Because we are free moral agents, however, we have the right to choose whether we're going to submit to God's authority and obedience or rebel. Let me tell you something. For us to know the power of God to, through the holy word that we have just read, to experience what heaven is uh, like in that atmosphere, for a person to then rebel against God is nothing but a fool. Now, that's a strong, that's a strong statement. I understand that. But I'm going to give you about three other passages of scripture that I think you will find that you cannot argue with that. The first passage is Proverbs 28, verse 14. It says, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. does not tell us what trouble that is, but I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be walking in that man's shoes. So, always fear the Lord. We know that the book of Ecclesiastes will end as it says, Hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole, King James says duty, but that's a supplied word, the whole of man, literally. This is the whole of man, to fear God and keep His commandments. Romans 11 verse 22 says, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but upon you goodness, if you consider it, continue in his goodness, otherwise you also shall be cut off. That brings us then to a second major point. And that is to fear the Lord is to reverence him 
in the assembly. And I go now to Psalm 89 and verse 7. The King James translation says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. I am not sure, but I feel that we have lost something about the awesomeness of what is going on when we assemble as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are to be together, we are doing religious things, and there needs to be more of an awareness, at least this is my feeling, because I judge you guilty because I know I am, okay? That's where I'm coming from, that I need to be reminded from time to time, what is all of this about? Why are we doing these things? Is this important? In First Chronicles chapter 16, first of all, I'm going to read verses 25 and 26 from the NIV. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. If you would look at the context uh, there in First Chronicles chapter 16. You would see that the Ark of the Covenant has just been successfully moved. And the context is that they had attempted to move it before, but because they did not fear the Lord, they did not reverence what He had said. You remember how God had told them that Sons of Kohath were to be the ones that carried the ark, and they were to do that on poles. But if you will go back to First Chronicles chapter 13, you'll find that's not the way they were transporting the ark of the covenant. The uh, house of Abinadab, and, uh, and uh, they had it on a cart. And Uzzah, out of the goodness of his heart, because the oxen shook it, you'll probably remember the story, he put out his hand to keep it from falling into the mud, and God struck him dead right there. Made David mad. David was very angry with God. But later, in First Chronicles 15, verse 13, he admitted, we did not do it the prescribed way. That was because they didn't reverence God. They didn't think God meant what he said and said what he meant. And so they just did it their own way. Does that sound familiar with what's going on in, in our religious world today? Yes, it does. And I think that there are people that are being far too casual when it comes to, uh, to what God has prescribed. The late Mac Lyon, I don't know uh, how many of you have, have followed In Search of the Lord's Way. I know that we have uh, another TV program here that is that is very much on your heart. But Brother Mac Lyon, the late Brother Mac Lyon, a very respected man in my books, one time made this statement, this modern concept of God as a casual friend is truly robbing God of his respect and destroying meaningful worship of him. I believe that we need to Realize our God's a loving God, but to think of him as just a buddy-buddy. No, 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 no. 
that we need to revere. God is God. There's a song in your songbook, number 770, that sets forth, I think sets the stage. It says, Dear dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind. In purer lives thy service find. In deeper reverence praise. The assemblies of Israel were called solemn assemblies. Numbers 29 verse 35. They were called sacred assembly. Leviticus 23 and verse 26. That doesn't mean that we can't uh, enjoy ourselves when we come together and that we can't laugh and and uh, and that doesn't mean that but it is does mean worship is serious business I thought I'd get an amen there I really did worship is serious business when we Take the Lord's Supper. We are standing on holy ground. When we sing songs to God, we're going up to the throne itself. Our prayers, these are all holy. We need to understand that. Holy ground is to be respected. And that's why Habakkuk 2 and verse 20 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. And we sing the song, number 108 in this songbook, let all the earth keep silence before him. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, my last major point, causes us to respect God's moral and religious laws. And now then I know, I've stopped preaching, and I've gone to meddling. Psalms 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. From the very beginning, God has always known what's best for man, but we sometimes uh, just... Ignore that, and we have to learn invariably the hard way by making mistakes and suffering negative consequences. I cannot tell you what life would be like had uh, Adam and Eve not uh, disobeyed the dictum of God. But I know that the Scriptures speak pointedly of the line of demarcation between obedience and disobedience. And I've got several passages of Scripture here. I think of one passage, uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 15. And I still like the King James translation. It says, Good understanding wins favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Uh, Other translations will say the way of the unfaithful. I remember years and years ago, the sage of western Kansas and central Kansas, Brother Otis Webb, in Mulvane, preaching a gospel meeting, and I was in the audience, and his sermon was based on this passage of Scripture. The way of the transgressor is hard. 
See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, not, of wisdom. It's also knowledge. Proverbs 1.7 says that. But it's the beginning of being wise. The fear of the Lord. The way of the transgressor ignores the way of the Lord. And that is not wise. There is a passage. The entire psalm, first psalm, that says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. The un, the, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So here we have the dichotomy between those who are obedient and those who are not obedient. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10 says, Do you not know that the wicked shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then it goes on and says, Neither shall the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Probably one of the most pointed passage that you can find is Hebrews 13 and verse 4 as it deals with morals. It says, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure but the adulterer and the sexually immoral will be judged. Despite all of the scriptures that I could quote or refer you to, there are still those that will ignore those and selfishly want to live their own lives their own way. Gospel Minutes is a little uh, paper that is put out uh, regularly by the Thurmans, and I have... I have read that for, well, over a half a century, as I have uh, noted various articles. And one time, uh, Brother Thurman had an article entitled, Lack of Morals. He was decrying the lack of morals in our society. But brethren, the church, it seems, are Christians Follow along behind society. I don't know how many years. I've heard 20 years. I'm not so sure it's that long. But we follow along because society has its effect upon us. But here's what Brother Thurman wrote. One need look only at the entertainment page of the daily newspaper to observe the rapid decline in morals in America. And at that time, there was a show that said, Misconduct Dash, a wild, wacky sex comedy. And there was another one that says, Prelude of Ecstasy, a sensuous film, daringly bold. And he goes on. I want to give you one other passage of Scripture. 
That is 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And I have the NIV here that I prefer over the uh, King James and the New American Standard, so I'm going to read it from my notes. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart for God's glory. God's will that you be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord causes us to respect God's moral laws. And then lastly, my last point is God's religious laws. Ephesians 4, 1 through, uh, rather 4 through 6, gives us a list of the seven ones. Uh, there is, uh, there is uh, one um, body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. And that's what the Bible says. But the religious world ignores that. And uh, they talk about, they'll ask, of what faith are you? Uh, or they will say, well, one church is as good as another. Or they'll say, well, it doesn't make any difference how you want to be baptized. You know all of those things. And I'm just simply saying, all of this is showing a lack of respect for what God has specifically said. I have debated all of these issues, and I stand ready to do it in a heartbeat right now. I've done it publicly, and I've done it in private. I am still trying to battle with those types of things. People, we and the Lord's church need to take a stand because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, there's a lot of things that could be said, but I go back and I close by asking, are you acting with wisdom? Are you wise or otherwise? I hope that you will recognize the seriousness of what I've tried to do in the lesson tonight. I know it's not been an enjoyable lesson. It's not the kind that you're going, I sure did enjoy that lesson. No. What I've tried to do is to raise a red flag because I believe that we're drifting as a church. I'm sorry. I believe that we need to have something from time to time to bring us back and say, this is important. This is what we're going to do. We're going to reverence our God, and whatever He says, that's what we're going to do. I don't care if it hair lips the governor, because we are standing on the solid ground of God. And so that's my lesson tonight. Now, it could be as you have thought these things through, you're going, I have not been as moral. I have not been as doctrinally, doctrinally committed or whatever. I don't know what your situation is. But if you stand in need of this invitation in any way, we encourage you to come while together we stand and sing.